1: Offside by a Mile, the podcast for anything and everything Colorado Avalanche, and the official ABS podcast for the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the 16th episode of the Offside by a Mile podcast. I am your co-host Tyler, as well as Jared today.
0: Hello everybody.
1: Brett is off in the wonderful world of Edmonton Mm. tonight and cannot be with us. So fun. Well, that was a hockey game on Tuesday night, wasn't it?
0: Uh I guess you could call it that. It was it was a game of some sort.
1: The Avs are <laughs> certainly lucky they played the Calgary Flames.
0: I would say so. Uh,
1: yeah. Cuz that was like watching paint dry for most of it.
0: Yeah, that's that's most yeah. That's one of the most boring games I've seen all year. And neither team really looked great in any fashion. Other than maybe, you know. Five
1: minutes left in the game when the Flames decided to try and tie it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they pushed right at the end of that game and had uh, the Avs right on their heels. Um, But, yeah, like, you know, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen, like, just such a boring game. <laughs> I I like both these teams. You guys know by now that we're from Calgary. I'm a pretty big Flames fan for a while now. Um, I wasn't. I was finding it hard to pay attention, honestly, for the whole I, game.
1: I was at the game with five Flames fans, and five out of five wanted to leave early. <laughs> that's never. That's <laughs> never a good sign. Yeah. Um. The one. Well, two. Two bright spots in that game. Grooby. He's mm-hmm. back in the pipes. Yeah. And he crushed it.
0: He looked nice. He looked good and healthy. Like, no issue with no. movement whatsoever. He, he was on it. He completely fine.
1: Yeah. And Burkowski. Oh, Burkowski, baby. Man. I now, love it. I love it. No, I'm not saying that Mac Daddy, either one, Kale or Nate, <laughs> uh, played bad. Yeah. But you expect him to play well. Mm hmm. Lately, I've been expecting Burkowski to play well, too. So that's not fair to say either. Yeah, he's but, really coming to his own here. Man, honor. that second goal he scored. Whoo-wee.
0: Just, he, wow, yeah. It's, Commitment to the shot there. It
1: sounded like it hit the glass in the building. Yeah. it Just the way it hit, like, the back bar, it sounded like it hit the glass, and I was, like, looking around for it, and then all of a sudden the, they started <laughs> selling. I was like, oh, okay. Right,
0: on the broadcast, yeah, you're right. I do remember it making, like, a wicked sound. Yeah, it was weird.
1: Yeah. It was almost like it hit the dash or something. But, like, yeah. you knew he shot it high, so it's, like, clearly it didn't hit the bottom of the boards. Right. And it was just such a weird sound, and then it never came on the net or anything, so it was just like, where to it go?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was that was something, man. Yeah, That release and just, oh, so pinpoint accurate.
1: Riddick did not give him a lot of room. No, oh, it's,
0: like, just enough room for a puck to fit, basically. So pretty much. Like, holy.
1: Such a good release. Like, the, almost the Matthews release, where it's, like that kind of like slight toe drag and then you just rocket it at the shelf.
0: Right. Yeah, little little mm-hmm. angle change and freaking giver. Or- but
1: I mean, we skipped over the first goal. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But which the first goal Burakovsky got a freebie because Nathan McKinnon. Oh, yeah. Our quarter season MVP probably. Oh, easy. Uh Made a ridiculous backhand pass. Yeah.
0: And also the exit by Makar on that play. Yeah. He picks a pass and he just fully commits because he knows he's got this puck. And he, man, when he turns on those jets, it's just like, man, he's got big time wheels too. Like major league wheels. And when he I... turns it on, those little gazelle legs, little <laughs> gazelle legs, big ass gazelle legs, get uh get going. It's
1: It's powerful. I look, vi- I, I look forward to a the well, a not the skills competition this year. Oh yeah, because I think Nathan McKinnon and uh, Kale McCarr are gonna have quite the speed race together.
0: Yeah, for but sure. But they're not
1: gonna be the only ones. Oh no, there's there's definitely some other speedsters around that might might push them a little bit. Like, I'm I'm sure, sure those two will be at the top, but man.
0: I guess, you know, thinking, if we're thinking this far ahead, both of those guys could very well be in the All-Star game this year. Like, the the NHL All-Star game this year.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: if, it, right, if, if it stands right now, both of them, guaranteed, to be in. Where is it this year? It's in uh, San Jose? I
1: thought it was just there.
0: I. Yeah, it was just there last year. Is it year. Dallas, then? I think it's Dallas.
1: Yeah, it could be. Let's find out. Because
0: that was my next instinct
1: mm, St. Louis
0: oh okay interesting get a cup get the all-star
1: game I guess <laughs> except for San Jose <laughs> um but yeah that like that the team skills game the NHL skills comp. like McDavid might have a have a battle on his hands for fastest guy in the league
0: yeah and as it you know <clears throat> as we look today as well doesn't really look like point you know he might not get there this year, by the season that he's having, and he yeah. was the other one that beat out McDavid, right? That's true.
1: Did he beat McDavid? No, he didn't. He was close. Though. Oh, yeah, he was right behind him. him and the, year, right? Um, what's his name? Uh, Larkin. Larkin,
0: right. But, yeah, anyway. He's got... Makar's got some crazy wheels. Little sure. freaking gazelle out there, for sure. Um, but, but other yeah. Other than
1: that, like, what happened in the first period?
0: Well, because it... Though, When was that first goal? It was...
1: Barely late. Oh, yeah. It was
0: 321 in was the first goal. In between these two goals, the second goal is about a minute and a half left. In between that, it's just like, what is going on? The most scrambly, like, unorganized game from both teams.
1: Yeah, it was just junk in the neutral zone the whole time.
0: Seriously, like, bad passes. Not even, like, plays that are forced out by the defense, for the most part. It's just, like, terrible execution on plays that's, like a to b easy a to b pass and it's just where to go i don't know it's going the other way now oh another junk play oh back the other way
1: (laughs) one thing that needs to be pointed out uh milan lucic is an awful hockey player yeah uh (laughs) he had six shots on goal last night oh boy each and every one of them was right in the crest on grubauer's jersey that's
0: you can tell that's, like, a confidence thing, I think, too. <laughs>
1: Including the one where he had a two-on-one with right. the puck, and he just shovels it right in the groovy. Yeah. Oh, man. It was it was going nuts on that entry into the zone when Lucci's just carrying the puck on a two-on-one. It's going nuts right. in the rink. And then absolutely nothing <laughs> coming from it. Like, and exhale. I was like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's a very similar situation. For the uh Nishushkin watch here.
1: I thought he had one. Yeah. I thought I thought he was the one that put in the Kamenev one. Right. Yeah. We talked night.
0: about that before the podcast. And we obviously had the exact same instinct because I looked right away. I'm like, oh, Nishushkin? Oh. Did, is, did he get it? No. Kamenev, Kamenev. Oh.
1: I mean but, hey. he gets a point. Yeah, Kamenev was, gets his first of the year. That's true. And it was a pretty good play by that line. It was. Yeah. For sure. Ah. Uh, three nothing that was about when uh our group of uh patrons wanted to go home <laughs> yeah. uh the row behind us was talking about leaving at the end of the first period so it's it's a bit rough in calgary right now for the flames yeah uh, definitely i'd say the avs the avs should have beat the flames regardless yeah but they should have probably stomped on the flames Last night. Uh, Yeah, with
0: with the performance that they had, and I think that's probably why a lot of Flames fans are pretty disappointed because as bad as the Colorado Avalanche looked in that game, the Flames still looked worse, which is very interesting. Now, it wasn't the whole game because, like you said before, they come back in that last five minutes.
1: Yeah, like they get a goal late in the second Make a 3-1, get on the board, two and a half minutes left in the period, roughly.
0: Which was a pretty nice goal by Ryan. Yeah, he comes Um, out of the corner and shelves
1: it. It was the first time Gruby kind of... It's not fair to say because there was that that flurry earlier in the second Mm -hmm. where Grubauer had the... It was a breakaway, I think. Breakaway or partial breakaway or something like that. Pad shot, couple of rebounds, mm, yeah, and he was down and out. And that puck squirted out the far side of the net. And the Flames are putting that puck in the net every day, except the ref blows a whistle early. Oh yeah, right. So as fans, remember that we yeah. didn't get some whistles, but we got one. Holy! That kept the puck out of the zone, out of the net.
0: Something like good and lucky happened to us.
1: What? It's pretty funny listening to all the angriness around. Uh, <laughs> it was unfortunate for the flames for sure because yeah. puck was loose the whole time grubauer never had it but from the ref's point of view yeah you lose tries sight. To, he tries to put the blocker Yeah, that on was the an
0: puck. awkward one because it was underneath buddy's leg well so the, the
1: first first part of the play is so it's like right pad save and then the guy shoves it back into the right pad again and gruby tries to put his blocker on it with a stick in it, his hand right and from the ref side that's the side the ref was on it looks like Grooby gets the puck under there. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, it's actually out the other side. Ref blows the whistle on, I can't even remember whose stick it was, but wide open net for the flame and no dice. Yeah. Grooby did make, goes. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Grooby did keep the puck out of the net after the whistle. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In a Marc-Andre Fleury-esque great save. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was after the play. No, he <laughs> definitely was not trying. Uh, yeah. But you know, like the Flames, they made that one push that kind of was scary for the Aves. But again, like you said, that basically until Derek Ryan scored late in the second, there was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, Gruby made some saves. Like mm-hmm. the Flames had lots of shots. They did. Not Sorry, shot attempts. Yeah. They missed the net about a hundred times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for sure.
1: But but well, what did they end up with? Like thirty. I think it was 33? like thirty seven or
0: thirty three shots. Yeah, thirty three,
1: yeah. With about I don't know, I like I'm not even kidding, seventy five shot attempts probably.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's probably not an exaggeration at all, really. <laughs> like And would, but it, that is the other thing is I will say the A. I I felt like you know the Avs knew they weren't playing that well in this game. You could tell, obviously. Um but one thing they were doing well was just trying to straight will their way to a W. Yeah. And it was very noticeable at the end of the game. You know, people are giving out their bodies everywhere.
1: Eric Johnson.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Freight. Yeah. Whoa. What a, what a. Uh,
1: one other thing that was good. I mean, it's flames here, but perfect on the PK. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, we've, we've said it before on this podcast. I'm sure of it good teams win moldy games.
0: Yep. Yeah. Good exactly. teams
1: find a win uh, find a way to win this game. Mm-hmm. The avs did that. Wasn't pretty. Should yep. have been prettier. Could have been. But they keep the flames basically out of the game until fifth 5 minutes left in the third, ish. Mm-hmm. The... And that's
0: playing for or that's playing with the lead for quite a while. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's it's bound it happens to teams, right? They yep. get a little too comfy, blah.
1: You start sitting back, especially when you've played with the lead like all game and you're like, Okay, we got five, six minutes to go. Let's just clamp it down and get up get off the ice with the two points. Yeah. Uh another thing to remember that Derek Ryan goal snapped a hundred and sixty seven minute shutout streak for the Flames. Oh yeah, right. So uh Jeez. kind of disappointing being an abs fan. Kind of <laughs> we us sitting in there like can they get it to three games? Oh, yeah. I, I can kind they, of forgot about that. Can they make that. it three games in a row without scoring? Jeez. This place rough. will burn down if right? they don't score. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But then with, what is it, four and a quarter minutes left to go? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Manji Manji. Blocks the shot from the point from his own teammate and then scoops the rebound into the net backhander. Mm-hmm. Not. A great goal. Gerbauer overplays it a little bit. Um, the typical, you're supposed to get your chest in front of the shot as a goalie, so you're sliding, but when you do that, then you leave the whole bunch net open. Yeah. And with traffic like that, there's Mangiapane, and I can't remember who was in front for the Avs, but you had two guys right in front of you. There's a very good chance that's hitting the guy. Right. I don't know if he should have played it that aggressively. That being said, he's rusty a bit. Forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, fine. Not the greatest goal, but also not really his fault. Yeah. Kind of a case of not playing the guy hard enough as the defenseman. But yeah. But it is what it is. Then things got spicy for the last two minutes, basically.
0: And Yeah. This is what I've noticed, too. This is, like, not how the Avs want to play. It's just a bad look, in my opinion. Like, it just doesn't work totally, you know, with the, the, it w- the work. structure. It doesn't
1: work in the NHL ever. Yeah, to sit r- realistically.
0: To but I Tuba don't know. Worse yeah. than hockey. Very, very, very true. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I find think... the, the Avs are way more of a threat. Like, just, just battling more, like, actually getting into the battle. In that D zone, like not just collapsing and sitting back, so ever so patiently in a way, you know, like okay, no, I just I don't want to give a, give them a passing lane here or anything. It's like no, like if you watch when the Avalanche are playing their best defensive hockey, it's they're being really aggressive on the puck, and like ma- like their speed and aggression in times of you know playing that way really well that's what kills other teams offense because they can't even get anything going. The speed is too crazy, too much pressure. And obviously it's tough when you're up two goals and you're trying to hang on. And the (coughs) flames are at this point pressing hard. It's just, it's hard to not get sucked into that play. And I guess, you know, in the end, I'm just saying it sucks to watch and it's very freaking scary to watch, but at least it got done.
1: Uh, As you said earlier, as a flames fan, that is a Flames uh, strategy forever That's built into the mark. team's DNA. Like, it's, yeah. you put that jersey on, you sit on two goal leads and lose them. That's, mm. like, their yeah. job. It's not ideal. It's never ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, good teams don't do that either.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Problem with this one is Ian Cole takes a high sticking penalty with right. 20 seconds to go.
0: Just pooped out there. Just yeah, he's been out there
1: for a while. He unfortunately gets to stick up, and it's, yeah, it's just unfortunate, <clears throat> really.
0: It's it's bad that he's been on the other side of some calls this year, quite a few calls this year. That one I don't completely blame on him. It's just like
1: it when happens, when man. you're tired, it you, things just stop functioning properly. Yeah. It's like yeah, I was gonna say that too. He's been in the box a lot, this yeah, year. <laughs> especially lately. You were kind of bringing that up two weeks ago. Yeah. It sucks. It's not the greatest timing. Obviously, he didn't plan on being hemmed in his own zone, but here we are. And Eric Johnson to the rescue, like a madman, just blocking shots for the last 20 seconds.
0: Yeah, what a beast. That's just straight-up veteran leadership right there, man.
1: Yeah. He took some sticks. He took some pucks. Yeah. 20 seconds later, Avs walk out with two points. Bam. Uh, Berkofsky, first star. Makar, second star. Pretty good night. Yeah. I guess we can touch on that too. Kale Kale McCarr. Nathan McKinnon, second star of the week by the NHL. Hell yeah. Not sure I agree with it. Uh, Not to sound like an anti homer, but Mick David had 10 points. Dry had nine. And a defenseman in Keith Yandel had eight. So, yes, McCarr had, I mean, McKinnon had four goals and seven points, but eight points out of Yandel is crazy.
0: Yeah, that is that is insane. And he Especially was th- the Keith Yandle. He was man. third
1: star underneath, and it was just off the list. Just snubbed. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about that one. No,
0: like I'm sure they really don't care, even when they yeah, win the star in that the too. week. Um, but
1: it's a fan but, thing yeah. for sure. I was also really, I know it doesn't really mean anything, but when the Avalanche get absolutely smoked by the guy that had ten points in the week and nine points in the week. Mm.
0: It's a little bit more.
1: Maybe the guy that got smoked shouldn't be on the top 3. <laughs> yeah. Cuz they got 11 points in one game and McKinnon got 0.
0: That's true.
1: Again, we were super happy with that game, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, the Alberta trip uh <laughs> you know, it's a good thing we got 2 points out of those 2 games. One in but...
1: Alberta and then we stopped in BC in the middle and got two more points there.
0: Yeah. But yeah, the biggest thing I think in these last uh you know, I would say few games, but it's been more than a few. The last several weeks of injuries, uh, the Avalanche have come out of this in a pretty good spot, realistically. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that we have to remember about even the game on Tuesday night against the Flames is that this is still a very broken team. And oh, yeah. this is also a thing. Groovy comes back, and that's the kind of backstop we get. From him, it's exactly what we've been missing. You know, the game against Edmonton, you know, if we had Grooby or Frankie, it could have been a different story, a little bit anyway.
1: Before we hold our breath on the fact that Grooby played well, the Flames didn't really do what Edmonton did.
0: Right. No, not even Um, close. The quality was I honestly think.
1: I honestly think that the way the Avalanche played on Tuesday night in Calgary and the way they played on Thursday night in Edmonton is pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. There just wasn't as much firepower going against them. Right. The first half of the game, I'd say, the Avs played better than they played in Edmonton for sure. Mm -hmm. But that second half just sitting on the lead was not much different than the Oilers game, just the fact that their opposition was not the same.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a a fair analysis for sure. Right,
1: we talked about it. Werner got lit up. By beauties. Like, there was oh, one yeah. or two that Werner should have had.
0: Like, he's he's playing against, like, some of the most talented forwards in the league. Yeah, like, again, we've said... And they're on heaters. It, the first
1: one that Grubauer let in. We're not blaming on Grubauer. Yeah. That was what Werner got beat by. Yeah, yeah. Right? Every goal. So, yeah. <laughs> pretty much every goal, exactly. except for the squeaker. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's... I do, like, I'm not going to deny, like, they won the game. It's all good. But mm-hmm. they do not play well. If they no. play... If they play a game like Tuesday... Tuesday against the Wild on Thursday, they're gonna have problems.
0: That could be an issue, even though the Wild sure.
1: aren't good, which we're gonna get into. But yeah, you you gotta show up. You get an, you got the night off, like I said, got the moldy win, but let's not make a habit of that. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, partly what got us into the five game losing streak.
0: Very very true.
1: But yeah, like you said, last uh, six games they're five and one.
0: Yeah, on you know some tough road games. With travel, you know, yeah, down we were down seven players at a time. Now we're just down to Ratnani, Wilson, Landeskog, Calvert, and then Jost now as well. It's just like ugh, okay, we need we need our boys back now. This is what I'm you know going through in my head is just it's actually amazing that we've gotten this far with the amount of injuries we've had. And once we start getting these players back and hopefully, knock on wood, we don't lose anybody else important, this team is going to just come out of this flying. They better. Like, I I almost guarantee that once, you know, we get three, four of these guys back, Ranton and Landeskog mostly, right? And Calvert's freaking important too.
1: I'm really curious to see what happens with McKinnon and Burkowski.
0: Right? I was when just thinking
1: Rantan that. and Landy come back? Yep. Does this maybe free up room for Ranton to drop down?
0: It might or right, yeah, I guess you can't really move McKinnon down a line. But
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you're not I I don't think you'd put like Dawn Sway with them and then move uh Why can't I think right now? Where are you what? <laughs> have, I'm retarded. It's okay. It happens. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, like, you're right. You're not going to move Nick McKinnon on the second line with Burkowski. Yeah. The other team's not going to believe that. <laughs> yeah. That'll be their first line. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, tonight, the <clears throat> first line is this line, actually. Um, But, yeah, it it definitely, you know, gives an opportunity in different outlooks and possible mix-ups with some of these lines. Like, because Burkowski and McKinnon have definitely found something. And, and that's the it? thing is I think Burakovsky is a hell of a lot more dangerous playing with McKinnon than the boost that Rantanen would get from McKinnon. You know? like, I feel like Rantanen can make his own magic happen. Well,
1: it's kind of like the Leon Draisaitl mcdavid right. line yeah. where you know for sure in Edmonton they want those guys to be on separate lines to mm-hmm. drive other players. Sidney Crosby of Yanni Malkin, right? They rarely ever play together unless absolutely desperate. Um, Crosby and Malkin both drive lines. They play Mm -hmm. get players to play up to them, right? Right. Like Crosby always plays with Gensel and stuff, and Mm -hmm. Malkin with obviously Kessel was pretty solid. Hagelin was solid. That Malkin normally gets decent wingers. Yeah. But again, that turns in that turns like. Uh, a guy like Hagelin in from like a second liner into like a one B type winger, right? Yeah. Where, yeah, sweet Landis, Cog McKinnon, and Rantanen are a fantastic line. Yeah, we all know that. And so far, uh, the Burakovsky-Donskoy Kadri line, or whatever you wanna, whatever iteration of that, whatever happens get. on that second line, has done fine. Yeah. But what if you can have a one-two punch that's basically two first lines, right? And if splitting up that the top three, the perfect, the perfection line, leads to having two really, really good first two lines, that is a incredible one-two punch. Look at the Leafs at like the beginning of last year. Look at Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, look at Pittsburgh. Like those Cup teams from Pittsburgh had that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast thinks that's a bad idea.
0: Yeah. And right and you see it in especially the last I'd say, you know, four or five games and it's funny, that, I don't know if they're like listening to us, but like Burkowski has gotten more and more ice time with McKinnon and look what's happened yeah. because of it. McKinnon can, you know, suck in all the all the defenders and all this attention on him, toss it over to a decently open Burkowski and that freaking wrister that he's got. It's gonna do the rest, like. So that's a good point because I was thinking about the same thing. And I mean, yeah, it's good. They got options now. In a way, some of the injuries that have happened to the top guys, Ranton and Landeskog, have given those players an opportunity. And it's like Donskoy too. Like Don was playing with McKinnon and then like Jost for a while, McKinnon Calvert for or yeah, McKinnon Calvert for a while, and Don And he's looked decent too. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's good. It's it's a good sign because once we get these big boys back, lots of options and everyone's, you know, giving her.
1: It's good. Yeah, I so saw a tweet today. Burkowski going to sm- smash his career high. Well, oh, on yeah. pace to smash his career high. Donskoy, clearly we talked about it. He's on pace to smash his career high in goals. yeah Caudry looks like he's going to set a new career high. He's on pace at least, right? Like, he's
0: at least on pace to be as good as he's been.
1: He scored 30 goals in Toronto. Right. If he's going to break that, Sweet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if he breaks 30 goals this year, that's huge. Yeah. And that's going to go a long way. I feel like, in a way, Kadri's been a little bit quiet the last few games, but he'll come around. I'm we'll, not too worried about We'll get about into that.
1: it in a second, but I have a feeling Saturday will change this. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we caught up with uh, Isha from The Soda Pod, mm-hmm. the Hockey Podcast Network's uh, Minnesota Wild podcast in our Across the Rink segment this week. Hell yeah. Um, But first, before we get into that, saw just before we came on air here, looks Mm. like Devin Dubnik may miss the game on Thursday night, which our thoughts go out to him for whatever he's dealing with. Said family emergency. For sure, yeah. So not going to get crazy and get all rivalry crazy on this, but Mm -hmm. thoughts and prayers to... Dubnik's family, if that's if it's a dire circumstance for sure, Mm -hmm. but one of the few glimmering stars in Minnesota at the moment is Devin Dubnik He's not played superb this year, but he could steal him a game. And if he's not in the lineup, then right the Avs again, just like the Flames on Tuesday, they got to get two points out of this game on Thursday.
0: Yeah, and you know we've talked about trap games before. And these both of these games are quite possibly big trap games, and that flames game obviously
1: could have been for sure. They
0: played down a bit, you know, like that's that's not the abs we're used to seeing.
1: That's what a trap game looks like.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of been like the last few games. I think we're just losing some steam. I don't, I'm not really sure. Everything's not quite clicking the way it was before, and it has over this season. Um, but yeah, you're right this is a crucial two point. You can't mess this up. You need this two points. It, you should have this. So, yeah. So I anyway, mean,
1: yeah. uh, on to our talk with Isha. Hey, Isha, man, thanks for, uh, coming in on offside by a mile.
2: Oh, anytime you guys know, like in the preseason, we were going back and forth on Twitter. Uh, man, my confidence was a lot higher than <laughs> covering Minnesota, but we were talking about, you know, doing this for a while. Some. uh, you know, it won't be the last, but I'm glad it's the first time uh, joining you here. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's,
1: it's going to be fun. Uh, the Twitter battles were fun, but... Uh... Long last, I guess. Uh, this well, this... you
2: know what it was? It was uh, we had our full roster and you guys had AHL teams. And for some reason, I got caught up in the storm. So <laughs> it I happens. was new covering it... the team. Okay. Exactly. Now uh, I... I've, I've got my fair share of dose of what this actual roster looks like. And let me tell you that there won't be any jabs coming my way tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it was typical preseason hockey. We were freaking out.
1: You guys were all yeah. high. So <laughs>
2: it, it was typical preseason.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I guess the first thing I wanted to touch on is... The fact that the Minnesota Wild have been struggling. What exactly is driving you
2: insane about the Minnesota Wild right now? Oh man, honestly that they can't, and this is so cliche, but that they can't put a a full 60 minutes together. And and I mean, I'd say that this team is the best example of that. That I've seen in years. Like the Minnesota Wild, they'll either play an outstanding first period, you know, go, you know, match the play in the second period, and then just play a god awful third with like the last minute push where you're just like, okay, it's too late now, boys. Or, (laughs) yeah, or, you know, they'll put up, you know, up to 20 plus shots in the first period, score nothing. And then have you know freaking Nashville score four against them, and the, you know they get shut out despite out shooting the team like whatever it was thirty seven thirty two by the end of it. So they just can't play a full, yeah, a full game of hockey with the same pace. Uh, they're not the fastest, and uh, this this is nothing new for anyone who has been following this league or following this team. Even if you just you know put up their roster on Hockey DB, they can't score goals. No, like, they're, Eric, ne- they're never they're never gonna Stoll, win. At- Track no, league. and Eric, Eric Stahl leads the team with six goals, respectfully. Jason Zucker <laughs> with five. But then you have third in scoring on the team, Brad Hunt with 10 points and five goals. Like, you're not like taking nothing away from the Maple Ridge BC boy. Like, I hope they deal him for a third or something at the deadline. But if you got Brad Hunt as your third leading scorer, you know, that's bad news. Right.
1: Yeah, that's not exactly ideal. Um. Okay, opposite end of the spectrum What is the bright spot? Ooh,
2: that's a hard question um, I figured it would be That's what I was hoping The bright spot is that some of these younger players Who've had slow starts Or who haven't been able to uh, get any points Are starting to do so For example, uh, Jordan Greenway Though he only has one goal And I believe it was off his ass um, <laughs> He has 7 points in 18 games And he looks like he looks like he may be uh, that dominant power forward that we all, you know, thought he could be when we saw him play in the NCAA and in Iowa, respectively. Um, Luke Cunning, he's just uh, the hockey gods just must hate Luke Cunning because he's doing everything right out there except get rewarded. He does have four goals on the season, seven points, but you know he could be up there, you know, with the Brad Hunts and Jason Zucker's, for example, um, in the point department if he had a little bit more luck. And uh, the same goes for you know. Uh, joel Eriksson ek he's not really the most offensive inclined player he misses the net a lot but he gets in the right spots and uh is smart enough to at least help drive offense if not make space um with his two-way game which i've been really impressed with so the young players there's something there but oh man the more i watch this team the more i kind of realize that i don't think these are the the next wave of of wild players to build around I don't think they're they're gonna be elite but for now the, the, there's some there's some positive in that I think I saw one of those uh, sodapod tweets the other day talking about the Paul Fenton experience being part of the oh. problem well yeah I mean, <laughs> that that was a whole and like I, to be perfectly honest I didn't cover this team directly last season but you know I'm a huge league-wide hockey fan um and man Paul Fenton he just made a ton of noise like usually a lot of news doesn't come out of Minnesota, especially now that they're not really a contending team. They're not really even last year, you know, they, they didn't make the playoffs and though they were on pace to the story was that Paul Fenton really screwed this team over with, you know, some of his moves that he thought would better the team, but also just ruining the locker room, like things like sending uh Joel Erickson, Eck and a couple of the younger players down to the minors right before, you know, they were, they were going to go on a break and have like some, Uh, Team team bonding. I think there was like a Vegas trip with some of the boys, and and just not even having you know the foresight to think that you know making this move at this time could hurt not only the development of the players who potentially need rest, but also you know their chemistry in the room and uh, you know developing as a a pro at the National Hockey League level. And then just some of the trades, like sure, Kevin Fiala, he could turn into something great. He's only 23 years old, and he's coming into his own now. you know, we kind of see flashes of what Fenton loved so much in this player that he, you know, drafted um, in Nashville. But I would much rather, I would much rather have a Granlin on this team right now. I mean, whether he plays center or, or wing, because when Bruce Boudreaux took over this team, uh, Granlin predominantly played the wing, but. Our center, we have no center depth yeah, right now. I mean, no. Eric Stahl's our top center, koivu's our second line center, guys. Koivu <laughs> should be just fading into the sunset nicely right now. Yeah, he shouldn't right. be playing the amount of you
1: know minutes that he is. So and neither should Eric Stahl. Like Eric Stahl well, should be a second line center all day. Oh, ab- absolutely.
2: Right. But if Eric Stahl's gonna be able to play at this level, like we need someone. Hell, he's got 14 points right now. <laughs> That's another guy. Like, if you can dish him out at the deadline for like a second mm-hmm. and maybe a sweetener. God this this team like Billy Garen's going to have to do and he has he was quoted in a recent uh, Michael Russo article Michael Russo uh, uh, the reporter for the Athletic covering the Minnesota Wild you know he he was quoted directly saying uh, like I'll have to make some hard decisions this season. I I imagine he was alluding to the trade deadline or leading up to it. Yeah. Trade deadline is going to leave a skeleton crew behind for sure. I would think. Yeah. Well, and that honestly is, I think what the Minnesota fan base is hoping for because next season, there's going to be a lot of new faces on this team, you know, two of which coming, uh, coming out of Russia where they have this young stud in Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, he's coming over and I imagine he's bringing his, uh, his center over as well. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, speaking of, you know, new faces and, you know, alluding to some changes coming throughout the season for the Wild, what are your thoughts on Bruce Boudreaux and his job going forward as this is his fourth season with the Wild, but, you know, the last three seasons have at best been mediocre?
2: Yeah, Okay, personally, because I've been following I'm a cap like I love the Washington Capitals. I, I always have for the longest time. I mean, I, I I've said on past podcasts and just, you know, throughout my writing back in the day that I uh I was born into a Canucks market. So obviously like the Canucks are the home team, but you know, the, the Capitals, they're the team that, that I love the most. So when Bruce Boudreaux, you know, as far back when he was coaching them, I loved this coach. Mm-hmm. I, I think he uh he's so unique, he's fiery on the bench, but Apparently he's a player's coach, you know, he, he had success as a pro hockey player as well, but he was, he admitted saying that, you know, I never put in the work like some of these guys, you know, do these days. And, and as a result I've kind of seen like, uh, seen the other side, like I was a talented player who, if I put in the work could have, you know, taken that next step. And that's what he kind of brings to coaching to push everybody to that next step. Because like, like he says, you know, with nutrient advancements and nutrition and just the speed of the game, like how fast you have to beat even play the game. I mean, Boudreaux is such a smart hockey mind um, with the experience to back it up. So I've always personally loved what, what he's brought to all his locker rooms in this one particular, the guys still like him. Apparently the, the, the room is, is pretty tight, you know, despite those Jason Zucker comments, I argue that, the room is that tight that you know Jason Zucker didn't even think that there was going to be blowback internally, which there wasn't. It was obviously media driven because they need something to talk about this season rather than <laughs> a crappy wild team. Yep. So, so fair enough in that sense, but I think that right now nothing's going to happen. I think that though though there's a lot of losing and coaches are typically the first to go uh, when, when we see a, a rebuild, a retool, a, a teardown, whatever whatever the hell you want to call it. I think he may stay a little bit longer. I think, you know, the Eric stalls, the uh, well, insert, whatever older player you can, you can dish out the <laughs> deadline here, you know, Brad hunt, for example, if Miko Koivu wants to maybe go to a, you know, a cup contender or a competitive team, I think those pieces in this unique case are going to be the ones that move first. Now I could be wrong in that. That's just my opinion, but, but I do know that even Billy Guerin uh, likes Bruce Boudreau and has enjoyed working with him this season and i think they may just let him you know sink with the ship it's not his fault you know he didn't get along with fenton he wasn't fenton's guy either mm-hmm. you know fenton's he only lasted one year with this team so billy garen i think knew what what he what what he had to do this season he knew the mess he was going to have to clean up he knew the that he was that the storm was brewing afterwards and that was something that he was going to have to face as well and i don't think he wanted to make any rational decisions cuz like i said again We already know that they're going to have a a fifty point player from Russia come into their team next year, so they already know that despite uh, the pressure to make moves, they they don't have to for scoring because this year's kind of a wash.
1: Yeah, there's no point. Uh, With moves on the brain here, are you kind of surprised Zucker is still around? Um,
2: uh, okay. If if Paul Fenton was here and (laughs) Zucker was still around, then yes. But right now, no. I mean boys, they need something on this team, right? And if you look at, and I'm being perfect, I know it's funny and it is comical, but but, but it's true, I mean, even from the back end, I mean, Dumba and Spurgeon, like, they're not, I mean, okay, Spurgeon, he's uh, 10 points in 20 games, that's pretty good, but in regards to the goal department, he only has two, and Dumba, he was on an absolute tear last season right. before, you know, no pun intended, tearing his uh, pectoral and uh, that that derailing his season, you know, he was on, poise, on on pace for, I believe, around 70 points last season, yeah, But these guys aren't really running the offense like they were last year. So, so back to your point, I mean, they need Jason Zucker right now. And if they can get a hall of young players or, you know, an established, say like 24 year old who can put up 30 to 40 points and maybe, you know, a, a sweetener involved shirt, sure, maybe you move Jason Zucker because he's been pretty consistent, but no one's value other than some of the old timers who are still putting up points is really high right now. So it's kind of a weird thing where you'd think like on this this type of team, you'd want to move the Jason Zuckers and they still might, but his value is not as high as it would be if the team was successful. Definitely. And on the other side, you know, the, the older players who would be buried in the lineup um, and, and not put up a ton of points, getting easier matchups um are putting up points on this particular team and thus have value. So it's, 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 it's a, it's a weird, it, it's such a unique situation. And it, it's kind of fun covering it from, you know, covering it from an uh, outside the state of hockey as just a hockey nerd and enthusiast um, and sports guy and myself, because I've never, I've never seen a situation like this. You know, I, I've been covering, you should Vancouver. have. Well, I've been, well, it's, it's different in <laughs> Vancouver because, uh, the Sedin situation was even a little bit different than uh, than that of, you know, Parise and uh, and Ryan Souter. And just the way that this team's constructed in the way that, I don't know, the owner still wants, he, he still believes he has a, a team that can win. I, I don't know. I guess there are comparisons with Vancouver Canucks. But it's just, I, I feel like with the, the quick turnover of the general manager, that this is a completely unique situation because this yeah. year, even even I was going into it thinking that it was a wash, right? And right. usually you think your team is either going to be rebuilding or, you know, ha- have a direction. Right now, it's kind of, let's see what happens and then we'll start uh, choosing a path.
0: Yeah, you know, I think you said it pretty well there. Um, so you guys play, who is it? You guys play tomorrow. It's, oh yeah, Buffalo, right. Um, So you guys got six games left in November here, Uh, Buffalo, then of course, the uh, matchup with our team, the Avs on Thursday, then you guys go on that three game road trip, Boston, New York, uh, New Jersey, then end at home with uh, Ottawa. So you got six games left in the month in a month that's been, you know, looks to me very up and down, you know, win one, lose one win one, lose one, overtime loss here and there, overtime win here and there. Um, Is there anything that you can gather from these last six games that would, you know, positively impact your attitude going forward for the Wild?
2: Well, in a few cases, they've been in the games and they've been able to take over the game, like even if in just a period, because like I said in the beginning of this conversation, they haven't been able to play a full 60 games. But there have been spurts where... They've been able to play what to play the game where they dominate at, which is hard defense. Like I said, this team's not going to score, yet they've been able to put up some goals against elite teams, so that's promising, and I think that's as a result of just grinding. Playing that, you know, I don't want to say it's even close to a level of the New York Islanders game, but a boring game like that, a, a traditional trap game, mm-hmm. because that's what, you know, Bruce Boudreaux, he can adapt, and he's changing his lines up and down, every you know, within games all the time, because as, as soon as some chemistry is is found within a game he rolls with it and it's the defense is kind of staying the same as as far as partners go but that's the thing guys if the defense um structure not only from the back end but but from the from the offensive offensive players as well if that defensive breakdown um is shot the, this team has nothing so if this team can at least continue to play hard defense and not lose uh, battles in the neutral zone, then they have a chance, and that's what's been evident in these last few games. I mean that that game against the Sharks, that was an absolute roller coaster. Um, I, I thought that uh, Pete DeBoer was going to be fired at mm-hmm. the end of that game, win or <laughs> lose. Honestly, if I thought it, if it went into overtime, I I was going to place money on it. I was going to try to find some futures back quick. And like, hey, he's, he's done. He's done because that was that that was credit to the Wild. A lot of people like oh the sh- the Sharks just just gave up there. No no no. The the Wild were. We're playing sound hockey against them in that game. Uh, They beat the Arizona Coyotes in a game where (laughs) I talked to Corey and Richie, uh, the the host of the Arizona podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, and they were complaining, saying that Arizona played down to the Wild. Listen, Arizona, they didn't shoot the puck. You have to shoot the puck to get lucky. So I'm glad that the Wild were able to put up four in that game. And uh, the Kings was a wash. They came back home um, after staying in, uh, I I believe, in – uh, or sorry, that one was a wash because of their schedule there, and they were just so tired. What I was surprised though, and this is what I was getting at uh in that in that last bit pardon, was they stayed in LA an extra night instead of coming home um to Minnesota to play the the Coyotes. And so I was really surprised that they were able to get a win out of that one 3-2 because I thought they were I thought they were gonna be lethargic like they were in the Kings game. Um they looked good in the Coyotes game prior and they looked, like we said, <laughs> They ended the game well against the San Jose Sharks. So I wasn't surprised that they just, that they just really just couldn't even skate in that Kings game from, from what I saw, despite putting up a fair amount of chances, but I thought it was going to be a wash in the Arizona Coyotes game coming home. But again, I don't think Arizona played down to their level. I think they just, they, they play better at home and they had something to prove to their fans. And um, you know, their, their sellout streak this year was broken by a small margin, but I think, you know, Especially for some of the older players, or Ryan Suter, you got to play for pride at some point. I I believe that you know that noise was still seeping into the room.
1: Um, you got anything for us?
2: Um, well, I was just gonna I was gonna give you guys one more thing to chuckle at here. Uh, <laughs> thir- thirteen out of their first eighteen games were on the road to start off the season, boys. So I think Yikes. that's another you know, a factor to why this team has not been able to to gain any traction. That is how you tough, highlighted it. it it's kind of up start. and down. Right. And now, off again on this road trip, seven out of their next ten are on the road. Great. So, I mean, I'm used to everyone, you know, bitching and complaining in Vancouver about, oh, the Canucks have such a bad schedule. I haven't seen a schedule like this in all my years of, of following sports and, and broadcasting about it. So, again, just another unique aspect to this this crazy season um finally on our end you kind of touched on it the fact that the
1: wild seemed to come in a wave opposed to playing a full 60 minutes anything else that Avs
2: fans should be worried about on thursday night Ooh. well actually we're 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 playing you guys at the best opportunity because you guys are banged up and we're okay. relatively healthy um i think just the, the the defensive game sure you can try to outskate The Minnesota Wild, and you probably will because the likes of Zach Preeze, you know, look like they have, they're skating with dumbbells out there, but don't uh, underestimate uh, their neutral zone defensive breakdowns. If it, if it works out and they, and the the Minnesota Wild can execute it soundly, they will move the puck up the ice and win those uh, neutral zone battles. Not with speed, but but with grit. Like they, they're an old-time hockey uh, team, both in age and in uh, style right now. And just a couple players to look out for. Kevin Fiala is kind of on a heater right now. He's starting to you know get some chemistry with uh, this team. Matt Zuccarello coming off injuries, starting to play well. Um, the line of you know Eric Stahl, Jason Zucker, and Zuccarello—they have chemistry there again. They're they're funny as they come in waves as well. But keep keep your eye out for Jordan Greenway and Luke Cunning, too. I, I really. You know, like I said, I don't think these guys are going to be the core moving forward. I think it's going to be the next core that the Minnesota Wild, you know, go all in on in regards to, you know, the Stanley Cup aspirations. But Luke Cunnan, Joel Eriksson-Eck, and Jordan Greenway, they often line up together. Sometimes Ryan Hartman comes in, uh, in in relief there. And Hartman's not putting up the points, but you can see in penalty minutes at 33 um, and, and with his ice time, he's really been a, a great, you know, plug and play player player for this team because he has a little bit of speed as well but but keep your eye out for for those young guys because i think they're going to make some noise um in, in that game for sure awesome uh great chat glad you could finally get on the offside by a mile podcast and yeah man well, it's been uh it's i've been look, like i said i've been looking forward to it and we'll have to do it again soon whether on patreon or uh the next time we meet up yeah you're a busy man sure. it's hard to get a hold of you <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I'll make time to talk hockey with you boys whenever. Just, uh, you know where to find me. It was a blast. Thanks, Love Isha. it. Anytime, boys. Again, thanks to Isha from the Soda
1: Pod, from the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, I don't imagine many of you listening to our podcast feel like going to listen to Minnesota Wild Podcast. But if you do, they're a very good source. They just got a new host. Yeah. An actual Minnesota Wild fan from Minnesota. Should so there be you a, go. should be a good addition. Get some new voices in uh, to talk about a crappy team. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, I guess to finish her off here, we kind of alluded to, but Saturday night, in back home at the Pepsi Center, the Maple Leafs are in town. Mm-hmm. The first game against his only other club. Nasim Qadri gets to face off on the Mike Babcockless Leafs. <laughs> Mike Babcockless. Mike that Babcock-less. was perfect. That is just one of the best words you've ever said. Totally not what I meant to end up with. Babcockless. Babcockless Leafs. Yeah. Big fan of that.
0: That's uh, <laughs> the story of the season, I think, for the Leafs. Um, Blew as, my mind
1: you know. that that actually happened on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, I definitely That's the first thing that came into my mind was just I did not think this was going to happen so quick.
1: I was originally thinking that this was perfect timing for the Avs to run into the Leafs because just like the Flames, the Leafs are killing it. Six-game losing streak, uh, one point in those six games. So not like they've been overtime a whole bunch. Right. Not scoring – Mitch Marner's out. They, Slow starts. The injury bug is there too. Yep. But with a new coach, there may be new vigor in that dressing room, and it may be a real battle on Saturday night.
0: It's probably going to be a hell of a lot harder to predict. Yeah, a I, team, right? Because like hell, what do what do you? You can't really look at game tape because who knows how much they're changing now.
1: The good news for ABS fans is. They also play uh, in Arizona on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And then they play the Avs on Saturday. So it's not like they have a whole lot of practice time. They don't have a day to just run a two-hour practice, get into Sheldon Keefe's rhythm.
0: That's true. It's kind of right into the So most likely
1: the game tape should be okay. The lines probably will not be. I would assume he throws the lines in a blender because... Well, yeah. Mike Babcock did not ever
0: yeah ever and obviously there's <clears throat> change needed there which so, is also probably going to be a little bit of a boost for Nazem and his you know just the path that he's on now he's probably just like oh i am so glad i don't have to deal with this
1: well yeah right it kind of came out that Nazem Kadri didn't want to leave Toronto it's not really a, right it's not really a secret he was from London Ontario 2 hours away from Toronto like is the Leafs were his hometown team mm-hmm Clearly didn't want to leave. But I have a feeling leaving Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander and that roster now that he's in Colorado on a team that's not just fired their coach, I'm sure he's pretty happy. Right. I'm sure he's he looks like he's fit right in. I'm sure mm-hmm. like this is this is his new brotherhood. 100%. Oh, yeah. Like it's no question. He's gonna be so jacked up. Yeah. The question is, does Nazem Kadri go play off Nazem Kadri on Saturday and <laughs> do something dumb?
0: Hopefully, nothing dumb. I uh, I would love to see him score a goal because I feel like it's just been a while.
1: He got the one against Vancouver. That, so it's, that's true. You're right. It's just because of the way the <laughs> there you go. The Flames game just felt so long because it was so bad. <laughs> it's
0: kind of true. Um, but yeah, hopefully I would I would love to see him score a goal that night. That'd be great. Get you know. The last little laugh in, if you can call it that. I wouldn't say it's the last. One, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Because yeah. that's the what... first, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because oh, oh, that's actually really close. Huh? They're in Toronto. The Avs are in mm. Toronto on the fourth. Oh, December. right.
0: It is. It is a quick turnaround, right? So, it's good. You know, kinda... maybe he can rile up some fans from Toronto. Yeah, maybe yeah, you know, yeah. throw a little. Little, I don't know,
1: some out there. I mean, if he does something dumb on Saturday, then they'll probably <laughs> boo him the entire I mean, night. It'd be kind of funny in on the fourth. <laughs> it would be kind of funny. <clears throat> so, uh, that again, like it, it's hard to break down what's going to happen on Saturday because I don't know. They're going to play Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson is pretty good goalie in November.
0: Yeah, get some traffic.
1: Get some traffic. Get some movement. Vegas. Kinda of, sort of beat up on him on on uh, Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's here's hint number one for the Avs: don't shoot the puck forty times.
0: Yeah, just like give him a give for him a five it, minute break every once in a while, and then just really high quality chance.
1: Five shots <laughs> in the first period may sound like a well, bad. It can go a long way. <laughs> may sound like a bad idea, but it really does work against Freddie Anderson. <laughs>
0: It's probably not, you know, something to target, but if it happens, hey. It can work.
1: The Leafs <laughs> are kind of in a situation where the Avs were during the five game skid. Power play is not working. Yeah. Their penalty kills atrocious. Special teams should I would say should go the Avs' way, regardless of what Sheldon Keith can manage to change, but Which I think the Leafs the Leafs seem to be a team that if they lose the special teams battle, they lose the game. Mm-hmm. So make it count. Get a power play, make it count. Yeah. A, take less penalties. Yeah. Yeah. That can always B, help. kill them off. Right. It's... And
0: keep drawing as many penalties as you draw, which is well, always that's it. a pretty high number. So.
1: Uh, I don't think it's, it takes rocket science to say, don't put Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander on the ice together. <laughs> so don't take penalties.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that.
1: It may not be any good right now, but uh, those three are pretty talented.
0: And you know, Avalanche power play has it's coming. It's coming around.
1: And, and let's not forget the other way around on the Nazem Kadri side. Tyson Berry, Alexander, well, Alex Kerfoot, mm-hmm. both coming. Yep. Back A homecoming. To, back to Colorado for the first time. Yeah. So like we said, yeah, the fourth of December is Nazem Kadri's homecoming. Yeah. the other way around again. Tyson Berry never played anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he had a good, solid uh, career when he was here.
1: We've kind of been watching from afar. His season has not been going very well. Mm. Mm -hmm. Let's not kickstart it.
0: Yeah, don't give him a reason to heat up here.
1: (laughs) Don't give him another reason to kickstart a season. Yeah. Besides the new coach. Kerfoot's had actually a pretty decent year Mm -hmm. uh, in Toronto. Filling in for the... Well, filling in Nazem Khadri's hole. He's been actually pretty solid. But again, they're going to want to... They're gonna want to not retaliate, get their revenge on getting traded away. Yeah, be ready, and it should it should be a really good game on Saturday, actually.
0: Yeah, it should be should be a fun one.
1: Probably on Hockey Night in Canada in Canada because it's the Leafs. So
0: yeah, would only fit
1: nationally televised in Canada. I don't know. It, I don't imagine it's nationally televised in the states, but. <laughs> Whoever has Altitude on their, who was it, DirecTV, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Dish and Comcast. You, yeah, that's it. You friggin' guys. Or
1: go watch at the bar. One of the many, many yeah. bars that has it on. True that. That being said, uh, I think we will finish her up, and thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on Monday. Tuning in. in. Tuning in. Thanks, guys. Don't forget to visit us on Twitter at Offside by a Mile to join our conversation and have your voice heard. Also, check out the rest of the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet and the com. You can listen to the podcast there or anywhere you get your podcasts from. The biggest thing you can do to support us is by going to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star rating. Also, if you're looking to donate to the network, visit the Hockey Podcast Network's Patreon page. All donations go straight to the podcast host. Thanks, and see you next episode.
0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.